I love a good key change. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I can always hear him. Major key. Minor. Anytime, Another Christine. One. Another one. <laughs> you guys, we're back mainly because Woj decided to drop all the bombs. And you know us, we got to talk about them. So we got to get into it. I'm here. Christine Ooh. Butterfield. There you go. Okay, relax. I was getting there. You say, Christine, drive, and then you can't even can't even take like five um, seconds of me the talking. The podcast analytics suggest that you have to say your name in the first five and a half seconds. All right. This could have been a great note <laughs> well, beforehand before I started talking. Failure. So anyway, I'm Christine Butterfield. Analytics doesn't like it, but who cares? Moving on. I'm also here with Ryan Chapman. Screw you, Brady. I got in second. Ha ha! <laughs> Quick question, though, before we bring Brady in. Uh, you say that Woj dropped a bunch of bombs. Are you a Woj girl or a Shams guy? I don't like giving Woj all the credit. Because so, Woj stepped on my foot in Summer League two years ago and didn't say sorry. So, yeah. well, here's a, Brady, you haven't been brought in yet. Please, please sit aside. Look, sorry. Shams has gotten on my nerves. I know that, look, an unfortunate situation when President Donald Trump um, was diagnosed with coronavirus. And he, I, he's our president, by he, the way. Yes, <laughs> and uh, he, he was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and people gave Shams credit for breaking it when literally, like, if you stack it on the timeline, the president tweeted, and then a second later, Shams, like, came in and just aggregated it. Oh, like, and then, like... And look, then people were like, Shams has sources inside the White House. And I'm just like, no. Look at these... He just tweeted things quickly like that's like half of the stuff that shams does is like publicly announced things that he then yeah look at these blog boys just like uh, just taking quotes and taking information that they didn't get themselves and just posting it out there so they can get retweets just just a shame it's the worst just it, say per billy donovan per the thunder whatever like you can't claim to know that you have a you know insider in this information. Well, like he like, has a lot of inside information, yes, but I just think I'm not, he, he I'm gets not a little, just a little too much credit. Anyway, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm talking about the blog boys that yes. try to get in. That's that's kind of who I was going with on that uh. comment. But yeah, so all the bombs were dropped by whomever you like. Also, Brady Trantham is here. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know. Welcome to foot footskitball season, everybody. We got Bedlam on Saturday, and then we've got all this crap, and then the draft on Wednesday, and then free agency, which I'm sure doesn't concern this market. But you know what? We'll yeah. still cover it. And OKC82 is back. And Christine, you were doing such a lovely job. Continue. Thank you, Brady. S- set the stage. So let's get into the Dennis Schroeder trade first, mainly because it was kind of announced yesterday. Or, like, it was kind of talked about yesterday a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, Dennis will obviously be going to the Lakers. Then the Thunder will get in return Danny Green and the first-round draft pick. Or a draft pick. So, Ryan, I have to go to you. Are you excited about this pick? Do you do you like this trade? Do you think this is the right move for the Thunder? Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the right move for the Thunder because I guess we in this market have been spoiled by Sam Presti over the years, and the fact that he's had leverage and the ability to make huge moves. You talk about the Paul George trade um, both times, when he was acquired and then when he was sent out. Um, people forget that the reason that Sam Presti got that haul is because he was trading 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, essentially, to the Clippers, things like that. Um, I saw some belly aching and some groveling on the Twitter machine about getting back Danny Green, if he even plays in Oklahoma City, and the 28 pick, and people being like, I would never take that for Dennis Schroeder. You are idiots, because the Thunder don't have leverage. It's the same thing if Steven Adams gets traded. It's going to be for whatever anyone's willing to give for him because it's just not a ton of leverage. It's an expiring contract. I understand that Dennis Schroeder is coming off the best season of his career, but let's face it, Dennis Schroeder's not going to re-sign with Oklahoma City as things are. So, like, you just kind of have to take what you can get. So the fact that the Thunder got a first-round draft pick, I think it's a huge win no matter what else comes back this way because Sam Presti is in the business of collecting first-round draft picks so that he can either use them to make selections or... He can turn those into higher draft picks by moving on up. So uh, I'm content with the trade, and I think that uh, it's a good thing uh, what you turn Carmelo Anthony into. Yeah, I I get it, the initial fan reaction, especially like just a casual basketball, casual Thunder fan of going, wow, you're getting rid of Dennis Schroeder, who probably you know should have won the sixth man of the year. I mean, the Clippers... That was an L.A. thing, but I think Dennis Schroeder was by far and away, if you look at anything, the the sixth man of the year. When you think of sixth man of the year, it was Dennis Schroeder. So I understand you trade him and you're getting Danny Green, who may or may not play for the Thunder at all this season, and then a draft pick right next to the one that you already own at 25 with the 28th pick in the draft. I get that that doesn't sound very fun, but Dennis Schroeder is an expiring contract. It's it's incredible that the Thunder are even able to find uh, somebody willing to give them something that Sam Presti wanted, which is more first-round picks. So at the end of the day, it's not the most ideal situation, yes, but you were either going to have Dennis Schroeder this season to help you win games, which is kind of where the Thunder want to be. They want to be competitive. They don't want to win so many games like they did last year. Uh, but Dennis Schroeder certainly puts you in that category of, well, you can technically compete. Um, so I mean, at the end of the day, it's a good haul for the Thunder. It's just another first-round pick, and it puts the Thunder in a situation where if they do want to move up in this draft, which I I don't think they want to, I think if there was a clear avenue to jump up into the top three of the lottery, I think they would have. I think they'll try it. But if that doesn't exist, I mean, they'll just they'll just keep their picks. I mean, the Lakers are going to be drafting for them. That's why this trade hasn't been official. Bobby Marks put out the tweet earlier today about what the Thunder have on the books. And he included Danny Green. So it's it's all but official at this point. The Lakers are going to draft but, uh, for the Thunder at 28. So it'll just be interesting to see what St. Presti decides to do in this draft. Because if they want to move up, they can do it now that they have this extra pick in the first round. It's such a weak draft. I, I don't see why they would want to unless they just found somebody at 13 that they loved. Which I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think this is the right move. For Dennis Schroeder, obviously, because he's not going to be with the Thunder for much longer. And you need to get him as much as you can for him while he's still hot. So for him to be able to be traded for Danny Green, a veteran that can, if he stays with the Thunder, can help SGA, you know, help out all the rest of the role players kind of mature a bit and become more confident and really start to develop them as they're developing as a team. It can be good. Also, they have the first round draft pick. So it is better for the Thunder, especially for Dennis Schroeder moving to L.A. I think he'll fit in really well there. But before we kind of close the chapter on Dennis Schroeder, Brady, I think we have to say goodbye to him properly. In order for us to say goodbye to him properly. Oh, yeah. Oh, Fida saying meine Freunde. Or meine Freundin. I was about to say, we have an exclusive interview with Dennis Schroeder right now. Uh, Hi, Brady Dennis. Dennis Brady, Uh, how do you feel about this move to L.A.? Yeah, yeah, L.A. is so beautiful. Yeah. 
Have you? It's just, it's just like Southern Germany. <laughs> How many talks have you had with LeBron James? Oh, LeBron, I love LeBron. He's my friend. Uh, uh, I'm going. I'm going to miss all the umlauts on the Twitters from all my Thunder fans. Russell's my guy. <laughs> oh my! Oh my gosh! When uh, when the trade talks came out about Russell Westbrook and stuff like that, the first thing that uh, I imagined was, well, you know, Russell's my guy. But I I really hope that this happened to Dennis at some point. And during his time with the Thunder, I hope somebody with a stereotypical accent, Thunder fan, recognized him in public. If Dennis ever walked out in public in Oklahoma City, I don't know. But I hope that somebody recognized him, saw him, had a stereotypical Oklahoma accent, and said, Hey, guten tag, meine Freunde. I would love that. How you doing? Thunder up. And I that is why the players talk about focusing on basketball in Oklahoma City. <laughs> Which Ricky Rubio will no doubt do once he gets the memo. I was I laughed so hard when I saw his tweet when he you know had the upside down smiley face. Rubio's tweet. Yes, Rubio's tweet when he said you know kind of like well that's the business with an upside down smiley face. I'm like glad to see another NBA players super excited about coming to Oklahoma City. Before we get there, do you mind if we back up even further? Can we talk about these jerseys? Uh, yes, I, I wanted sure. to get into this. Yeah, we need to get into this now. They were so bad, so ugly. First of all, the T-shirts that came out, it was it two, di- two days ago that these came out? where they were kind Over of, the weekend, yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, where it was just a blue, super basic with like the lettering, and it was black and orange. It looked like a Tulsa football, co- Tulsa Golden Hurricane jersey. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Right. And then the jerseys came out, and again, I thought, wow, these are one of the most basic things. Well, here's, here's the problem, and... Thunder fans, trigger warning, not going to like this, but the franchise, due to the tumultuous exit out of Seattle, the franchise does not honor the Supersonics history, and, and I don't think it should. No. they. But because of that, the Thunder, they don't have any history or tradition to dip to like some of these other teams, and so what you end up with is this uniform looks like whoever designed it said, hey, Portland's you know, diagonal looks really cool and iconic, but we have to make it Oklahoma, so we're going to NASCAR this shit up. And uh, it, it, it it looks like a, a NASCAR shirt. It looks like, you know, they took Portland and made it NASCAR and put it together. It, it's disgusting. It's, it's ugly. It's the wrong combination of boring and ugly. Yeah. It's just boring. Like, if you just look at it from, without any color scheme, it's just boring. And, look, the Thunder, they're not going to change their logo. They're not going to rebrand anytime soon. As long as Sam Presti is in charge, they won't rebrand. Now, if he moves on three, five years from now and they get another GM, sure, they might change it up a little bit because they're going to have to because they can't really do anything much with what the, what they do, despite the fact that they use every color in the rainbow wheel. So We'll get to uh, – put a pin in that. We're going to get yeah. to uh, my uh, gripes about the launch of the Thunder logo <laughs> and what it's become. It's mm-hmm. just a – this is my opinion about the franchise, not 107.7 the franchise, the Thunder franchise. <laughs> nice. But they're incredibly, they try to err on the side of extreme caution and extreme safety. And that's where the boring comes out. And sometimes, even though that they're boring, they can still make some pretty cool stuff, like the uh, City Edition jerseys two years ago that honored Native Americans. Now, those look cool when we compare them to the rest of the jerseys that the Thunder have shelved out over the last 10 years. But when you really think about it, you're talking about honoring Native Americans, a culture that is just so colorful. They just said, we're going to do all teal. 
and, and and do a little design as the secondary color. And we're not even going to go all in like all, every other franchise in this league and have like a court that matches the jersey. No, we're just going to do everything regular. So I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand why this franchise still ten plus years in Oklahoma City. Now you've got an ex- you've got a basketball culture pretty much ingrained. You've got people that are my age in my early thirties that grew up with the Thunder in our late teens, early twenties. You've got kids even younger than us growing up with the Thunder. You can kind of start spreading your wings now. And look, it's just a jersey. Who cares? They're not going to win more games or lose more games as a result. But if you're trying to inspire like a cool factor with your f- fan base, especially going into a time where they're rebuilding, and you, you can, as much as you want to get excited about first round picks and the future, and if this pans out, that guy will pan out, then X, Y, and Z will happen. We don't know if any of that things, anything like that's going to happen. The least you can do is try to be cool. And the Thunder social media, not cool. The Thunder's jerseys, not even close to being cool. Their color scheme, not cool. Like nothing about this franchise is cool. They've just been so fortunate that they've had KD, Russell, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Victor Oladipo, uh, Paul George, all those guys to basically entice people to come watch their play basketball because it has nothing to do with anything else that franchises are responsible for. Literally, their jerseys let you know they're going through a rebuild. Like, those jerseys say, we know that we're probably not going to sell a lot of jerseys this year. No one's looking really to have a Lou Dort jersey or maybe not even, you know, Terry Spacely, whatever. They're not going to they're not gonna push that, so might as well just have a throwaway jersey year. And it just seems thoughtless to me, I guess. Well, you can put this into the vault. It's actually becoming a great tradition of Oklahoma City. It dates all the way back to the god-awful Navy jerseys where the Thunder and I actually like those. is vertical. Um, I hated them. I, I, th- I just thought they were different. And I, it, I, I prefer one primary color. Yeah, I, well, you could appreciate that they went for something different. Yeah. I thought it was a swing and a miss, but they at least tried. Then you, I get it. Yeah. Then you move through the years of, look, I know their hands were tied when the league was experimenting with the short sleeve jerseys, but the pajama tops that were just the all white, like... That they wore the... Into- like, that would have been the true tragedy if the Thunder actually won a championship that year, if they got past the Warriors, because you have to... you We would still be watching highlights of those jerseys, because yeah. they wore them the entire postseason. I don't think they wore them against the, the Warriors, but they wore them in the first two rounds, like, every other game. Well, Russell loved them, and so Russell had a, had a big hand in the, the uniform decisions. That Those were awful the original city editions the gray ones god awful um i look i'm not even a fan of the quote sunset uniforms like if you're going to name something a sunset uniform make it a gradient and actually look like a sunset instead of just saying this is an orange jersey and we're going to call it sunset it's just because 70 percent of our fan base are ou fans that hate the color orange well and and it just harkens back to something that i thought when i saw this jersey launch was the thunder made a big deal when they initially launched about how their colors were there they were blue and white and there was a little bit of yellow because that's what you know people in cartoon land use for thunder and they even put a little bit of orange and a little bit of red in in the logo because they slapped everything in just to be like look we're making everyone happy And the Thunder have had a real chance over the years to pivot away from that, to do some cool things like maybe a black jersey with like purple lightning, you know, something like that to do the Thunder. Or like we've seen, you see Cream City, people make the joke about that. Well, Oklahoma City could be, they could have Boomtown jerseys and and roll with that idea. Like there are some core identity things in Oklahoma that you could use. 
I saw some concepts floating around about a Greenwood District jersey where, okay, people say, well, that's Tulsa. Well, they didn't put Oklahoma City on these jerseys. They put Oklahoma. So they're not above reaching out to the entire state. You, Why not in this season where the league has put so much capital on being the social justice league and trying to give a voice to other movements like a Greenwood District jersey would be incredible. Instead, at every turn, they've gone away from that. They go with safe. They go with boring. What they do try that's different is just a diagonal stripe with some weird lines. Like like the, the uniforms and, and the franchise as a whole is just boring. And now they, they've just integrated orange and shoved it down your throats to say, like, we're, we're doing orange now. Like the, if you ask me what the Thunder colors are, they're blue, white, and then orange. Orange has become their third color. Did y'all see the promo video that they put out to go along with the jerseys at all? Did you watch that today? I didn't want to watch it. I like, okay. I, similar to Brady, I saw that it was tweeted and said no. Okay, well basically it's even worse than the jerseys because they have all these uh, all these shots of different places in Oklahoma and everywhere I guess they quote-unquote drew inspiration from and then halfway through the video they just start putting it the lines through the shots and i'm like oh okay Love it. this is how you rope everything together the most basic way to do it like i can only like that's the only word i can think to come up with is just a simple look of a stripe on a piece of video and they're like yes yeah. this is how we can explain our jersey like how does that even and connect look, anything together at all look like their their press release you know they, they can prettify all they want with the language about how like this stripe means this and this color scheme means like represents this like i i i get that and there are a lot like i know a handful of people that work in the creative department for the thunder i know a lot of people that work uh, in the community sector for the thunder and they're all fantastic people they're all very nice but the, the one thing that's kind of gotten on my nerves just as a basketball fan being from Oklahoma is just in my opinion they just treat the fan base with kid gloves like like you what you were saying Ryan they just wanted to try to appeal everybody I guess that made sense at the beginning but like I said there is a basketball culture ingrained in Oklahoma in Oklahoma City especially is it ever going to trump Football? No. This is going to be a football state from now until the end of time. But that doesn't mean that you can't be proud of the basketball in this state from high school to college and now to the professional ranks with the NBA. I would just basically beg the Thunder to just start treating your fan base with respect. Don't just assume that, oh, if we just use pretty language to show that we want to represent Black Mesa all the way over here in the corner, and then we want to give a shout-out to Concrete Oklahoma with this color scheme because of this historical thing. Like, just treat the fan base with, like, they're adults is all I'm asking for. And you brought up the Greenwood thing. This is going to be the 100th year, and, and I, like, uh, I didn't know we were going to get to this, but this season's going to be the 100-year anniversary of the Greenwood Massacre. And that was a very, this would have been a very good, um, just, it would have been a very good move for them to do, do that just because of what the NBA has been doing for the last, I mean, 10 years, but especially this past season with what the Thunder have been kind of at the forefront of. I mean, mainly because of Chris Paul, but he's gone. But it, it would have just been great. And, I mean, I don't know. They're just jerseys. We're going to talk about the Chris Paul trade soon, I promise. But I was just like, uh, whatever. Well, look, I, you guys know this. Hawks fan here checking in. And <sighs> here we go. I, look, I've hated the Hawks uniforms forever. Don't new, Rebrand, great, awesome. But they their City Edition uniforms are Martin Luther King-inspired because – they went down that road that we kind of talked about right there of, look, social justice and, and things like this are on the mind of everyone. 
why not honor Martin Luther King with this year's jerseys? And, and I'm not diminishing that at all or anything, but you have just as powerful, if not a more powerful story. And Oklahoma City had the chance to go out and educate the country and the world on a very important thing that happened just, you know, up the highway in Tulsa. And like, I just think it's small minded from the Thunder organization to not realize the Atlanta Hawks, they literally proposed to have a charcoal um, court because they wanted to appeal to the new generation of fans that play NBA 2K. And they want to have fun jerseys to appeal to an international fan base. The Thunder may never be king in Oklahoma City, but like you said, Brady, they've they've built this basketball culture. Kevin Durant was on billboards in China in Oklahoma City jerseys. Like, you don't yeah. have to just – I get that you have to sell tickets here in Oklahoma City, but if you have a good team, this is a great sports state. You're going to sell tickets. You don't have to limit yourself to just doing that. Like, show off your city to the world and be a reason to say, wow, these are really cool. Maybe someone becomes a Thunder fan, and then over the years they start to look into it and things like that. Like, this is how you can market things, and I feel like the Thunder just do it in reverse, which is just so weird because we give the NBA a lot of credit for getting it and understanding the social media world we live in and things like that. And I I don't think it's that the Thunder just don't understand. They just don't want to participate. Yeah, my problem is the Thunder never do a great job of connecting all the dots. Like it never seems like they have every single part of their organization together. Or if they do it's completely simple and it's it's just thought through to a T where they're going to be simple and clean and nothing goes outside the lines which is boring for everyone involved. And I just feel like they've kind of regressed into this into this way of being like, "Oh, we're just going to follow wherever the trends go." after the trends have already kind of happened. <laughs> and so they're just always a step behind. And even the marketing thing, like Ryan, you brought it up with the, you know, with Atlanta wanting to make their court be charcoal. Like there's just so many simple things you can do to make games more exciting, to make your culture more exciting, your team more exciting that don't necessarily happen in the basketball game. And the right. Thunder never seemed to make that be at the forefront and that's what's kind of annoying but well, also with the with the jerseys they had the remembrance jerseys last year for the bombing and those looked great like that those were some great jerseys everyone liked those i like those i i like the meaning like i like what they represent but i think just visually they just look boring oh well, like I, i'm sorry if that i don't mean to offend anybody because well, I, I appreciate what they stand for but i just think the colors just not it doesn't look like a basketball jersey to me. Like, basketball is supposed to be kind of flashy and fun, and it just looked boring. Well, but like you said, Brady, like, there's things you could do. So, if I'm imagining what the court should have been for the Remembrance jerseys, the logo at center court, I'm imagining some sort of two-tone court where um, it's a lighter hardwood in the middle in the form of the survivor tree, and then it's yeah. a, a darker hardwood everywhere else, and you've got the the gates that obviously have a ton of meeting here for the 901 and 903 on both ends of the floor. And you have a very powerful court that can also be aesthetically pleasing once you add the gold and the blacks and the silvers into the lane. Things like that. Like th- That's a very, I feel like at this point, it's a simple thing to do in the NBA because everyone does it and they do it very quickly and very well. And it, it's just not a thing that happens in Oklahoma City. So, Well, one, thing, one thing's for sure. If we see a whole bunch of Lou Dort and... Darius Baisley and SGA ISOs this year, they could just do a Bricktown jersey and it just, it, hey, see how that makes sense? I like it. I like it. It'll be yeah. perfect. It'll be perfect. Maybe, maybe that's why they haven't leaned into the Bricktown uh, 
to the Bricktown name. Can't, can't work in basketball. They're like, we can't do that. <laughs> like, we can do the Boomtown. We can't do Bricktown. Unfortunately not. But you know what they did today? What they did. They made another trade today. Oh, no. What happened? You guys. It was Chris Paul and what? Abdul Nader. Our, <laughs> the no, what, did, what did Sam Presti flip Abdul Nader, Nader for, Christine? No. <laughs> Come back. No, nah, he's gone. They <laughs> traded for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jerome, and J- Jalen LeCue. And also Jacuz. a draft pick. <laughs> Freaking crazy. How do you say I surrender in French? Uh, surrender. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. Just surrender, eh? I Would don't you know. like to eat a snail? No, I, I, I don't. Uh, sorry. Is Jalen LeCue from. He's not Don't from you mean Escargo? He's, he's, from, he's, from, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah he's not, he's he's not, not French. French. <laughs> he's not he's French. He's got a French name. Yeah. LeBron's I, not French either. Okay, so this was buried in everything I thought. You had a great tweet about um, is it Jerome or Jeremy? Ty Jerome? Jerome. Jerome. Okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know. You never know. Um Ty Jerome, you know, nickname Milk, awesome. Uh Lekie, nickname Baby Westbrook, awesome. Why is no one talking about Kelly Oubre? One of his listed nicknames on basketball reference is Tsunami Poppy. I uh texted a a friend of the show that has a lot of um, information on this subject. Um Madison Morris. Trader. And uh, yeah, confirmed trader. Is she, who is she rooting for this weekend? By the way, I mean, Tulsa. I mean, where's her paycheck coming from? No, that's fair. Uh, there you go. There you go. Must pain her. Sooner deeply. born and sooner bred. When Madison Morris dies, which she's undead, but when she dies, she'll be sooner dead. Exactly. Uh, but I was like, hey, do you think the IG models lo- locally uh, placed in Oklahoma City are going to be very happy about old Tsunami Poppy being here? And she was like, I know three or four off the top of my head that'll probably probably be in the running. Interesting. She she claims to not be an Instagram model, yet she keeps in contact with at least three or four that she can name off the top of her head. It's just, that one, would of, be exciting. It's just it's one of those things that you hate it, but it's like people who say Metallica sucks on YouTube videos. It's like, well, why did you listen to the song? Why like, are you here? Like, yeah. why are you here? <laughs> just remember, uh, promo code Madison, M-A-D-Y-S-S-O-N, 15% off whatever swimsuit she was chucking that one time. So <laughs> not, a, not an IG model. Just, just use my promo code. I promise, I promise. But like, if you use it, then I get paid. So yeah, you'll be good. You'll be good. Yeah. But the trade happened. Do you guys like it? I'll go to Brady first. What do you What do you think? Do you think Sam Presti obviously got you know the better end of the deal? Um. Well, if you would have told me this two weeks ago that Chris Paul would end up on the Suns, I would have been like, "Wow, is the market super dry for Chris Paul?" Because I always assumed that the home run would be with Philly. Uh, with New York, maybe Milwaukee if they're able. Because I could see a situation where you could finesse like two first-round picks in 2024, 2025 away from them. Because if you can convince Milwaukee that, hey, get, go all in on Chris Paul, and you guys can maybe win a championship or two last year and a half with Giannis Tenacumpo. And if that doesn't happen, and Giannis bounces and Chris Paul retires and ages out, well, then the Bucks will just suck, and then the Thunder will then have their draft picks. But Milwaukee seems to be run fairly well and they don't want to fall into that trap that the Clippers did because rest assured the Clippers are going to suck in a few years and the Thunder have their future so bad for LA but oh well so yeah two weeks ago I was I would have been like that kind of sucks but now that everything's kind of played out the way it's played out we know some superstars are wanting out of their particular cities just used I, I just I think that this is probably the best that Sam Presti and the Thunder could have done um, you get two young players. Now, they're not exciting, you know, in terms of Ty Jerome and uh, Jalen LeCue. 
But you get two young players, and that was a part of the deal that Sam Presti wanted young assets. And Ty Jerome brings some ball handling. He's a he's listed at shooting guard. He's six five, but he's a, he's a tall point guard. So you can kind of maybe develop something there with SGA, Lou Dort. Who who else knows what the Thunder do in the draft the next few years in terms of getting another point guard? But uh, you can do something there. Jane Lequeux is basically Hamidou Diallo in that he is athletically gifted, but he's a G League guy. Is he going to be able to use all that athleticism on the basketball floor? Maybe. So this is going to be a big year for Hamidou Diallo's future in terms of his uh, career with the Thunder. If he makes a leap, they'll hold on to him. And then Jalen Lequeux is just kind of a bonus. If Hamidou doesn't make the leap, then they can probably just let his contract expire and then try to go all in on Jalen Lequeux. And you're the next raw uh, talent in the vein of Deontay Burton or Hamidou Diallo that we can hopefully develop. So there's that. Uh, Kelly Oubre is like a big mystery to me because I, I can see him traded tomorrow. I could see him on this team for the entire season. I could see him traded at the deadline because he's good enough to start on this team. I don't want him to start on this team because I don't know whose spot he takes. I want Lou Dort starting. I want SGA starting. And unless the Thunder sign and trade Gallo or trade Steven Adams and they get a veteran power forward in return, then I want Darius Baisley starting as well. So I don't know where Kelly Oubre fits in all that. And then Ricky Rubio, two years left on his deal, perfect for what the Thunder want to do. You want SGA off playing off the ball still. You also want to get him in a situation where when Rubio's on the bench, maybe you can see if SGA has made a leap with the ball in his hands, bringing it up the floor. And also, Ricky Rubio, is a he is diet, he is diet Chris Paul. He is a very good point guard. He's not good enough to galvanize an entire franchise and put them into the playoffs. Like he's he's just not that good. So he's going to help the young guys. He's going to help the Thunder remain competitive, which is great for Sam Presti in this uh, franchise. But he's not good enough to get them into the playoffs. So it's right in that sweet spot where they want to be. Maybe fighting for the play-in tournament at the end of the year just to get the fan base engaged, but not good enough to make their their own draft picks bad. So I think it ended up being a, a fairly good deal, and then the Suns' first-round pick next season in a very deep draft. I mean, you can't say no to that. Yeah, absolutely, because especially it's the 2022 draft, which I believe everyone kind of has circled as potentially the double draft, which what I mean by that is um, it might be the first year that high schoolers can go straight back into the draft, which essentially means you're, you're getting two elite draft classes together at once. So if even if it's the eighth pick in the draft, you have to think of that as that's probably the number four pick in a normal year or whatever, if that makes sense. But uh, Brady, I know you kind of said at the start of that that in a vacuum, if you had been told this, you know, two weeks ago, you kind of would have been like, oh, the the market for Chris Paul is meh. But I, I raise you this, Christine and, and Brady both. If I have told you before last season when it was announced that Chris Paul was coming to Oklahoma City, like what was your expectation of what Oklahoma City, if if Chris Paul played this year? and then was traded next offseason, what would you get back for him? I would not have thought anywhere near the realm of a first-round draft pick or um, you know, veterans like a Ricky Rubio or a Kelly Oubre who can come in and, and help this team. I would have told you that Sam Presti probably loaded up on, a, on all those draft picks because he was thinking he might have to package one of them with Chris Paul to move him at the end of the, ne- of the next year. So I think that's a testament to what Chris Paul did with this team this past year his health, being able to stay healthy, and, and he did a lot of work, obviously, with the diet, things like that. But, um, yeah, I think that Kelly Oubre and, and Danny Greener are both going to be in that same boat of I could just as easily see them 
not playing a single game for the Thunder. I could also see them working really hard to be a centerpiece of this team for the first month or two of the season to try to flip them to a contender at the deadline. So, look, it is what it is. That's kind of what Oklahoma City is going to be the next two or three years. When you start seeing these trades, you'll have to anticipate coming back either one of two things, draft picks or expiring deals that you can kind of you know get out of to, to help a team out, and you're going to get some sort of compensation as the favor of thank you for taking this awful contract off our hands. We will send you this young player or this young draft pick. So look, I think that you kind of have to just adjust your expectations that for the next season or two, the, the days of the Thunder getting huge blockbuster players back in these trades are probably over. Yeah, for sure, Ryan. But, I mean, I think Kelly Oubre fits into what the Thunder is now really well, just on his style of basketball. Danny Green I'm not so high on, but, again, both of those are question marks. They could be traded away in three days from now, or they could stay with the Thunder for a year or two. And you- Thunder lifers? <laughs> Danny Green? Is he going to be the next the next coach of the Thunder? Well, when- I mean, if he ends up playing, this might be the last team that he plays for, so yeah. I guess you could say that. He's a lifer. He's there. Put his put Ready his jersey in the Raptors right up next to Nick Collison. Ooh, <laughs> I don't think so. But yeah, you know, I could easily see them both being traded away. But I think with Sam Presti getting four players from the Suns and a first round draft pick, you really can't ask for better than that. I I thought that he would get two, maybe three players from them, and obviously, you know, Ty Jerome and Jalen um are not the most sexy picks you could get or sexy players you could get, but they are young and they will, you know, work well, I think, in the Thunder Court, who they have now, if they're not traded away for another asset. So it could be worse, frankly. So I, I really think Sam Presti did a good job in that trade, at least. Well, in Oklahoma City might not be done, as then a few hours after the trade trickle out, that the Thunder are open to, you know, shopping Steven Adams. And this is another one of those things where, this is where you really have to expectation set. I know that Thunder fans aren't going to like to hear this because Steven Adams has been such a great servant to the franchise. And, and not just that, but a fun personality, a guy that's easy to love to have on your team. But Steven Adams is on a bad contract that doesn't have much time left at all. It expires at the end of this year. Yeah, this is last yeah. year. Yeah. So it's an expiring contract, so that's going to take a hit first off. It's a big expiring contract. It's not like Dennis Schroeder's. And also, Steven Adams... We're not sure he fits in today's NBA very well. Like, he's going to have to go to a team that has that, quote, more old-school, grindy style for him to fit in as well. So, like, you're already just the pool of teams that are willing to trade for him are condensing, condensing, condensing. So, like, this is where I think Thunder fans really have to buckle up because if an Adams trade happens, it could be ugly as far as looking at where Adams is going and the return you get, you may say, Ugh. but you know, Steve Adams also a guy that if he stays all year this year, he could be really integral in, like you said, Brady, this is a team that wants to stink, but doesn't want to suck. If that makes sense, they want to lose a lot of games, but they want to lose productive basketball games. They want to, yeah. they want to bre- bleed these youngsters. And Steven Adams is a guy that could be a great piece in helping that young guy along. So it, not necessarily a bad thing if Steven Adams is on this roster and, and yeah. walks for nothing. Yeah. Steven's a win-win. Like if you're able to get something out of him, because like you said, he's getting twenty five million a year, and he's a one he's a one way center. He doesn't really bring anything offensively. Doesn't stretch the floor. I don't know what you what you could get. You can't get a first round pick out of him. If they get a first round pick, if they're able to trade Stephen Adams, then that will shock the hell out of me. But I'm assuming that they won't be able to. So if you can get something out of him, then cool. But if you have to keep him, then cool because he's just on the books for one more year. He's great for the locker room. He's great for the culture. He's a winning basketball player. He's smart. He's good for the young guys. 
Um, he's good for what SGA wants to do, what Lou Dort want, wants to do, Darius Baisley wants to do, and setting screens and getting those guys off shots. So he's good for that. Um, and then if you're wanting to keep him for a little bit longer, he's not going to get $25 million a year in his next deal. So the Thunder can basically keep him if they wanted to. So that shouldn't shock anybody. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, and this might be jumping a little too far ahead, so sorry, but I do want to just straight off the bat, right when I ask you this question, the Thunder are going to get Cade Cunningham, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to get him. <laughs> uh, if, if Cade Cunningham is indeed legit, which I believe he is, he's, he's going to be playing just an hour up the road from Sam Presti. He can go watch him anytime he wants. And with the draft picks the Thunder have next season, which are Houston's pick swap, which if they trade James Harden and either keep Russell Westbrook or don't keep him, that will be a very nice draft pick. But even even still, they have that pick, the, the Thunder Zone pick, and I believe they have, oh, what other pick do they have? If someone else is right in 2021. Stand by. I know they have somebody else's. I, I just looked at it. But let's say they just have those two because I can't remember for sure. Miami's. Miami's. Yep. That one's not going to be good. But you have three first-round picks, one that could be very good or solid. If Sam Presti wants Cade Cunningham, he will get Cade Cunningham. Yeah. And I think it should shock nobody because they need to figure out what SGA is. They need to figure out, are you going to be just off-ball SGA all the time and sometimes be on-ball SGA? Or can you do both? Can you do on-ball SGA at a very high, like at an all-star level? If he cannot do that, they're going to get Cade Cunningham. And it'll work. Do you do you think that SGA will be that guy this season? Like, do you project him being on ball and being confident with it and proving that that's his spot, or do you or do you think it's going to be a game by game scenario where he could be going through the motions and he might not be good one night, he'll pass it off to somebody else, and then another night he'll just be I electric. Think, I think he'll develop. I think he'll make a leap. I just don't know if his ceiling is on the ball like just running the ball up the floor every single possession um, at the ends of games. I, I don't think so. I just I think he's much better off the ball. I think it helps his defense out. I think he's a, a developing spot-up shooter. His numbers increased until, unfortunately, the playoffs hit um, in that category. Um, I think that that's his future, and I think the Thunder just need to find and identify other point guards. And I think they have Ricky Rubio for two years. Now they can trade him and get something else out of that too, but – He's good for two years, and then if they're able to get Cade Cunningham, then I think everything kind of falls into play. But that's assuming that Baisley takes a leap too, Lou Dort takes a leap, and then maybe one of these draft picks or these young guys that they already have from the Suns also make leaps. So it's a lot of guessing, but this is what you have to do when you're rebuilding. Well, I think the beautiful thing, though, is if Cade Cunningham is what we think he is, he is the perfect complement for Shea. And yep. then, and then you, you no longer have to play the game of can Shea do this. You just say, hey, remember that role that you played with Chris Paul? You and Cade are going to do that the entire time that you're here. Yep. And then, like you said, you, you need either Lou Dort or Baisley to take that leap. If one of those guys does that, all of a sudden within, what is that? Okay, we're counting this year. That's one year. Give Cade his rookie year to figure it out. That's two years. But within three to four years, you are straight back in the we are young core, ahead of schedule, trying to win games. And now you can use those draft picks to um, either A, draft great role players or around that, which that might be what this year's draft is. If the Thunder pick twice in 25 to 28, this draft is not great one through five. 
it could be really good 10 through 30. So if you're just saying, hey, you want to maximize your chances to grab a great role player, if one of those guys hits, you're in good shape, then you've got still 10 picks, even outside of the next two or three years, to try and package for that next guy that can be the piece to put this team over the top. So that's that's the beauty of what Oklahoma City's doing. It, it won't be a Philadelphia rebuild of tanking for five years and not sure that you actually have anything to show for it. Yeah, what's on the Thunder side for this season regarding the draft is that there's this isn't a star draft season at all. Like there is no great player that everyone wants that they're all clamoring for. Like this is, you know, kind of a decent draft. So you don't have to worry about fighting up to get it an amazing pick because there aren't really that many amazing picks. So you can wait a year to get the guy you really want, which will be Cade Cunningham, a season away from now so you can build up to that. So it's kind of falling into the Thunder's hands a little bit because they don't have to worry about losing a star player that they, you know, that could help them with the rebound this season, get all the players seasoned, get them get the chemistry going and really, you know, get them in a perfect position for next season where they'll get the draft pick they want and they're able to build off of that. And just throwing this out there, you talk about that 22 year, the three picks they have, their own, obviously, and then you've got the Clippers. Maybe trading Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers helps accelerate the timeline of blowing the Clippers up. Because if Dennis Schroeder becomes what yeah. the Lakers hope that he will be, that fit that he will be, there's not a ton that the, the Clippers can be able to do about it. And, and you've got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who may say, we're out. So all of a sudden you've got your own first, a Clippers first, which may be a lot better than you think it is, a Phoenix first, again, aging Chris Paul. It might be great this season, or he might fall off. The cliff because you know he is up there especially at this age so it's just one of those things that Sam Presti has done a masterful job of setting this team up we will have to see though will he learn the lessons of the first decade of Thunder basketball because that is ultimately they were positioned better than they are now because you you knew what you had in Kevin Durant Russell Westbrook James Harden all that stuff and they were unable to get the championship and on top of that I think the biggest indictment on the first decade is the Thunder were unable to develop a this is Thunder basketball, if that makes sense. They were always building to beat somebody else. Initially, when they were young, they were building to beat Kobe and Pau Gasol. Then the league flipped on them when LeBron went to Miami. Then by the time they thought they had figured that out, that last round with Kevin Durant, all of a sudden it's the Warriors that they're trying to do. What I think the Thunder need to focus on is, A, identifying this season what you've got, and so you can figure out what kind of players you need to put alongside this core, but just develop your own damn brand of basketball that way, at some point, you're going to have to go out there and say, we believe that if everything's the same and we're able to execute, we can play with anyone. And then you're not having to worry about the league changing gears or flipping on you. Like I think that was a huge problem over the first decade of Thunder basketball. We'll see if Sam Presti's learned that. I'm about to flip you off. Good. Flip me. Brady, what do you think the Thunder should focus on moving forward? If everything goes according to plan, and I'm, I'm higher on Lou Dort's ability than I think a lot of people... Oh no, um, I'm right there with you. I think he can. I think there's something there with his uh, playmaking ability, with his shooting ability. It's raw, yes, but I put a lot of stock in what I saw into the playoffs a few months ago. So, assuming these guys make leaps, the Thunder actually could find themselves in a situation where two years from now, if you get Cade Cunningham and SGA, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley all make the leaps that we think that they can make, and you're able to accrue like some, you know, some vet you know, mid-level guys that help, you know, shore up the roster, help you be competitive, the Thunder can then look at their roster and see, hey, this is a 38-42-45 win team maybe if everything goes our way. And 
Uh, the guys, these guys have made leaps. I think they're ready for the playoffs now. Then with the remaining draft assets that they have, Sam Presti could just go ahead and say, I'm going to cash this in and then go after a Paul George level superstar that maybe wants out of his franchise. So basically we're talking about a one year two uh, two year player in the league right now who's about to blow up in at whatever in whatever franchise. And then three years from now, if they want out, the Thunder could find themselves like, hey, we've got all these draft assets and we've got a pretty good team in tow. We'll give you like two or three of these picks plus whatever else. Give us the superstar, and then the Thunder can find themselves in a championship contention uh, situation. It's not just all the draft picks. They're not going to use all these draft picks to draft all, like they have too many. So I think they can find themselves in a situation like that. I think that's the most ideal um, way to get back to a quick contention spot in terms of the rebuild. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like just the math. The Thunder own what? 17 draft picks between now and 2027. Um, if you talk salary cap and just roster restrictions, there is no way that they can draft, develop, and pay all of those players. So at some point, the draft picks will become, hey, we'll send you two first-round picks for whatever five years from now, the equivalent of a malcontent Jimmy Butler or something like that, someone that you can bring in to, to round out the team and take that next step. So the Thunder, are like, it's just impressive what Sam Presti's done because not only have they put themselves in position to draft now, They've put themselves in position to add to that core in five years without doing anything else. This is without having to do anything else. They could just rest on their laurels, sit down, and just draft, and then package later on, and they'll be fine. So it's really impressive how Sam Presti has set up this rebuild, and he took advantage of the situation when when, uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard wanted to lock up with the Clippers. Yeah, when you see who Sam Presti has traded away and what he's gotten for them in return and how that's playing out in the Thunder's favor, it's very clear to see that Sam Presti has gotten the better end of a lot of deals when you've watched everything play out. And these draft picks that he has, you know, years in advance, those are definitely more so leverage, in my opinion, than they are anything else. Because we have no idea if he's going to use those draft picks. We have no idea if he's going to trade those away. But if anything, they're leveraged for any trade possible. And if they're in a position where they need those draft picks, they can use them and, like Ryan said, not have to do anything. But I'm sure there will be a lot more Woj Bobs coming. And also, the draft is on Wednesday, which all of us will be watching together. We're going to be holding hands. We love it. So stay tuned for that because we'll definitely all be talking about it. That is at Radio's Ryan on Twitter. At Brady Does Sports, also on Twitter. I'm at CB on Sports, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye. I did not like that. That was so creepy. I didn't like that at all. Please never do that again. Bye bye.